Hi, this is Ayla Skye, and you're listening to Daughter of Creation. Thank you for tuning in with us today. I'm speaking with one of my mentors, just an incredible woman who has led a social change movement for uh, women and women's health and recovery and soul recovery for 20 years. I got to speak with her the day after the 20th anniversary, and she goes into some of the wisdom and what she's learned in allowing this to be a big grand experiment of creating in the new paradigm and allowing her vision and her soul to guide her at every step. I've learned so much in connection with her. I'm excited to share this conversation with you. It's really about how we can be visionary leaders. We can be mystical, we can be spiritual, and we can be also incredibly effective and impactful on this earth, um, how to bring our vision into action. So our prayer is that this be of service to you. And uh, I hope that you uh, are able to take something of this back into your life. If you'd like to connect with us online, it's daughterofcreation.com. I'd love to invite you to join us over there. We'll get email updates about the ongoing um, episodes, podcasts, practices that we're putting out around inspiring your faith and really creating a movement and action um, with uh, with vision. So join us at daughterofcreation.com if you feel inspired and enjoy this conversation. Shakti Rising is a movement that I would love to continue to support. If you feel inspired to support them, you can find them online at shaktirising.org. And your dollars definitely contributing to the health and well-being of our planet, of women, of uh, women's recovery movement. So many beautiful things arising out of uh, the seeds that have been planted. And what a treat to speak with the founder. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Lots of love. All right. So um, I'll just start with a little prayer to just call in and create this container for all the people listening um, to this podcast and um, that we may be a blessing to them. Uh, we may be in service to them and we may um, have the courage to share our hearts um, and our truth uh, with love, compassion, vulnerability, openness um, to inspire connection, deeper practice and to ignite them in their own in their own soul. Would you like to add anything else? I would just pray that this effort, this conversation and connection, like all of these um, gestures really feed our courage and remind mm. us that our prayer and our practice um, needs to come off the cushion out of the pew, out of our private space and into action in the world, and then back mm-hmm. into that mystical space of our hearts. So yeah, may this fee- feed that, feed the freedom, you know, in all of us that we seek freedom for all. Thank you, Shan. And I want to welcome you to the podcast. This is Daughter of Creation. I'm with Shannon Thompson, the founder of Shakti Rising, uh, a feminine movement for social change. And you can explain more about that. But Shannon has been an incredible mentor of mine, a teacher of mine for, I believe, six years, uh, maybe seven years now, quite a while. And I'm so excited to finally be sitting down to this conversation because we have some really amazing things to tune into around how to create in the new paradigm. Shannon is an outrageous, incredible... <laughs> like, so much... Like, there's so many words... Um, 
for the kind of leader you are, but you have really busted through the old paradigm in a ma major way and have been doing this work for 20 years. And there's so many incredible insights that you have um, mm. to share with, with our listeners and actually just to, to show how you template a new field for new work. And I'll let you speak, but I just want to say one more thing. So Shakti Rising, as a, this is my description of it, is, a, is an organization that is really creating in the feminine and the feminine consciousness. And um, it's, I've never seen anything like it. I haven't seen anything like it since. And I found you by Googling you on the internet seven years ago and randomly went to a retreat and it changed my life. At mm -hmm. that retreat, I don't know if you remember this, Shan, but at that retreat, my whole center of gravity literally shifted from my head mm -hmm. to my heart. Mm -hmm. Like I was off balance. Like we were doing yoga and I couldn't even stand on one foot <laughs> because my whole balance shifted. And that's incredible. I mean, that, that's, I would say that's the profound change in a nutshell of what has happened with me and it's changed my whole life. So I couldn't be more grateful and more happy to sit down with you here today. So thank you for making space for this conversation. Well, I feel like um, you're such an inspiring creatrix and leader and community builder yourself. And so, um, as you well know, you both charmed, sweet docked, attracted. <laughs> I wouldn't say convinced, but let's say that Ayla certainly has the spark of the tantrika alive in her. And she called me forward through, you know, joyous um, and passionate commitment to what we hold and what we seek to bring forward through our devotion. So I'm really grateful to be here with you. And as always, really curious what's going to emerge from the space that we hold together, uh, that incubator between the two of us. So it's, it's always a pleasure to sit down and you are a mystic. I mean, I feel like you draw from this mysterious cloud of unknowing, if you will, and you bring these spaces and places into form. Uh, so I would love you to talk a little bit about how you got the inspiration or how you were called to start Shakti Rising. <laughs> <laughs> I know, look at you go. You're like, and I'm going to ask the million dollar question. <laughs> um, yeah, so I will speak into, you know, the people who are the great healers and practitioners or teachers or shamans often don't refer to themselves that way. And mm -hmm. there's a reason for that. One of the things that happens is that when you really commit your life to that mystical path, to that interiority, and then going so deep into that, how it calls us back out into action in the world, and then how we go back in, like you have talked, like you and I were just talking about this dance, you're, it requires really all of my bandwidth. I don't have time to really talk about it, like talk about what I'm doing. So I say that because I do embrace... And I think I've come to understand at the age that I am now and the work that's come out of me for over 30 years, because I started this when I was 18, that my dharma really came to me in the, in the bottom of my own life. And I understood that I would either really live a soulful path or I really wasn't going to stick around. And that there was, there was no judgment either way. Like that, mm -hmm. you know, it's a pretty powerful thing at 18 years old to face mm -hmm. immortality, right? And, and have that. So I'd really been on the path 
um, doing this work. I had worked in substance abuse. I had worked in domestic violence. I worked um, with young men, uh, gang offenders at the California Youth Authority, started the first street-based outreach program for homeless and runaway youth in Sacramento. I mean, there's just, I had a long track record, but always my own personal, what I call soul recovery work, uh, deep personal transformation, uh, devotion, you know, yoga, herbalism, these practices that really kept me connected to the heart and soul of both myself and the world. I had this inquiry. I mean, my undergrad thesis was wondering about the role of faith in true social change. And I looked at actually modern day movements. At the same time, I wrote an undergrad thesis deconstructing the dominant thoughts about addiction and really um, looking at it about how it was affecting women and youth and how treatment actually in many cases, because it did not take into account uh, social inequity and systemic trauma, Mm -hmm. it was ineffective. I I share that because all of this was early training that equipped me um, to steward Shakti. And I want to say right outright that Shakti isn't my thing. Shakti rising is an incredible, like the way I relate to it is this incredible vision that exists in consciousness, fully intact. And I, in the course of my life and initiations and wilderness, you know, like literal wilderness rites of passage, as well as just the wilderness rites of passage of being an awake soul in this world, um, grew the capacity apparently for this vision to tap me on the shoulder and sort of like duck, spiritual duck, duck, goose, I was called. And I was crazy enough, stupid enough, foolish enough, I don't know, naive enough to step up. Um, unofficially, it started when I was about 28. But 20 years ago, yesterday, when I was 30 years old, I moved into a house with five young women and started actually really seeking to listen and bring that vision into action. So Shakti really started for me, though, as a series of visions and dreams that came to me from the time I was a teenager. Yeah. And I had no idea what they were. They had I had no frame of reference for it, um, but they were so powerful that I started writing them down. Weird. I mean, like, literally, I called them weird things because I didn't understand what was occurring, but I oh. knew that I needed to... Um, like track it, right? Pay attention to it. Well, this ripened over the course of my life. And around 27 or 28, I had a, I had a very substantial spiritual awakening and a Kundalini experience and, you know, all kinds of things we're not going to go into right now. And, um, and I wasn't chasing it. It occurred as a result of some of my practices and it completely disrupted and messed up my life. I'm just going to say that (laughs) right now. Right. So, Uh, It was like the way that I tell it is before that my spirituality was something that like I had a relationship with after it spirituality was my whole life. And there was me, I was trying to find the I in my life again. Wow. When that happened, those that the vision, that's when the vision came forward really profoundly and without me Mm -hmm. realizing it, um, it started happening. So I did not go out and say, I'm going to try to do this thing. I just pivoted into um, giving the vision, like actually being in relationship with the vision and trying to just be there and open to it. And as that occurred, suddenly young people found me and started coming into my life. And then they took over my house and, and this started growing. And 
it took me um, probably a year and a half, even of it already happening, for me to catch up with the fact that it was happening. Like other people were saying to me, this is happening. Strangers were running into each other and saying, oh my God, you've got to talk to this woman. She's doing this you know, really cool work and it's involving holistic health and leadership and spirituality and soulfulness and healing and addiction and recovering and trauma with these young people who really were quite powerfully magical beings who were just opting out because what they saw in our culture was not something they were up to. So I've been really careful and conscious and I've made a million mistakes and gosh, learned as much from what I've how I've blown it as what I've done, but I didn't set out and go, here's my idea of what the new paradigm is, because here's the deal. No matter how smart our minds are, no matter how strong my meditation practice, no matter how much I have all these crazy other cool spiritual experiences, mystical, blah, blah, blah. I still deal with enculturation and bias and my monkey mind is really powerful. And it's very easy for ego, which is you know, it's both good and bad. It can be whatever, but ego, the part of us that wants security, that is going to replicate what we already know. And so here's mm, uh-huh. the thing that I've really witnessed in the 20 years now of, of following this vision and seeking constantly to bring it as best as possible, the energetic form from, you know, or the energetic you know, experience of the template into form and how we're manifesting this social change movement. And one of the things that I really witness when people are talking about new paradigm, and I promise I'm going to wrap up after this piece, but is that people love to philosophize and they even love the feeling of consciousness at those like really creating in those new templates. And it is important to really craft out new thought form. Mm-hmm. But the real dance is how do we bring that into physicality? And therein is the thing that I witness where it's like, it's such a quick slip. And all of a sudden you're totally replicating whatever the new, here's the six figure platform of how you sell your stuff. Here's the, I know. right. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. and I've talked about this, right? Yeah. And the truth of the matter is how you do it affects the integrity of what you're doing. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean there's anything wrong, but we really want to check ourselves when it comes to the business or the structures or the system or the mm-hmm. economics. Where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. And yes. that's why I say Shakti is a 20-year living experiment because we're mm-hmm. constantly in the dance of iteration, much like a lot of startups, right? Is like feeling mm-hmm. it, trying it, it, you know, working with it. How do we craft a creative economy? And in mm-hmm. this, you know, like... There's a lot of things I can say about doing women's work that's about soul, that refuses to be in a box, that says you've got to do interpersonal recovery work to be these emergent 21st century leaders. And yes, we need to be entrepreneurial because Lord God, we have to be more creative with our solutions than ever before. But you've Mm -hmm. got to really watch out with a lot of these business models that are saying everyone should be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Where do like natural limits and the environment and, you know, so there's this constancy, right? And not just judging ourselves, but staying awake and with dynamics about equity and race and gender. And, and yet we want to stay, we also want to be in spaces that are soulful and have ritual mm-hmm. and ceremony. Mm-hmm. How do we learn to hold all this paradox? Mm-hmm. It takes yeah. Profound personal practice and collective agency, I think. Collective agency. What do you mean by that? 
I mean that, uh, you know, there's, we have become so heavily, everything is me, my practice, me, yes. my, my meditation. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think you and I have talked about this. We no longer understand the power of the town commons or the reality that if we are willing to work at the level of a, like a, a circle, a collective, a community, even an organization, and really bring a full skill set to like presencing the field and real collaboration and emergent design, things that are practices that link directly to like meditation and mindfulness and, you know, contemplation or prayer, whatever the language is, right, on your path. Mm-hmm. It could be science and wonder and nature, right? Mm-hmm. But the same, how are we actually really nimble and alive? you know, to work at the level of the collective and grow skill and grow um, like a facile ability that accelerates our personal transformation in ways we can't understand. Mm-hmm. But yep. we think we've got to do it all personally first and then, and then I'll bring it to the collective. But there's a reason why most different traditions including science, when people collaborate together, those are accelerator or catalytic moments. So I, that's mm. what I mean. That collective, like the agency is something that, you know, we make agreements and commitments, but we actually grow our ability by doing the thing together. It's not mm-hmm. enough to just make accords and say, we're going to do this. We actually do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the service piece. I mean, what do you, you know, we, we kind of set this conversation up. It feels like a theme that's coming out as vision into action. Hmm. And so, oh, another word for that is service. How do we call people into authentic service in this day and age? How do we call ourselves into service, into it's, action? Mm-hmm. It's funny that you're, I mean, you're so uh, plugged in. I just happened to look at a quote that's above my um, desk. I've had this quote on my desk since I was 16, actually, in some version. And it says, vision without action is merely a dream. Action Mm. without vision just passes the time. Vision Mm. with action can change the world. Mm, Wow. And, you know, it's... Our humanness, our humanity, our, our heart, we long so much for a sense of belonging and connection and, and, there, and, and meaning to know. My undergrad thesis was writing about that the most powerful um, avenue or catalyzer for people to heal into recovery is stake in a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. And... That, you know, we naturally gravitate toward contribution and creativity and just a sense of meaning. And I think that there's so much erosion of that, that what's happened is we've grasped onto this, everyone's such an important snowflake. And so we all have to do our own personal private thing to feel like that's really meaningful. And I look at what Shakti has been about 20 years of stewarding the leadership, health, wellness, and sustainability of women and girls. There's no way you could say that's my thing. That would just be such incredible hubris for me to go, Mm -hmm. oh, this is my thing, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or even more that all the powerful traditions that are woven through this work, um, that come from many cultures and different peoples, that any of those are my things. Mm -hmm. So, and yet I 
am a part of it and a contributor and a creator and a leader. And I've certainly had perseverance, right? Because vision, one thing that isn't talked about is the, the, the power of perseverance. Um, Yeah. So, you know, how do we get out there? I know when I was 18 and I got into recovery, the way it started for me is if I can just help one other person. Mm-hmm. And of course, that sounds like hubris. And a lot of us who are wounded immediately want to help someone else and jump jump ship out of our own work. That's why we see so many folk now. It's not enough to have a yoga practice. You have to go to a yoga teacher training. It's mm-hmm. not enough to, you know, get massage or do it for your family and friends. You've got to, you know, and I, I see what that is. I know it's a longing for pathways where it's honored that we grow ourselves, that we um, do personal healing work, that we learn how to come into community and connection But for me, it was really the simplicity of being in recovery and knowing that no matter where I was in recovery, I needed to keep doing my own work. And part of my own work meant that if I could, you know, support another young person to have faith and persist. And and especially, you know, for me, I knew right away it was about persist in the voices of their own soul. And so that's really where it started. And also just that deep understanding that, um, and I don't know why I I had this, you know, but that the health of the whole is the health of me too. And Mm -hmm. that it's not either one. And I'm constantly in my life doing the dance between them. Who am Mm -hmm. I? Who are we? Where do I fit? You know, but that the ecosystem and the health of the ecosystem obviously is going to make me healthier. Yeah. And so that was compelling. Like where I can, one of my mentors, you know, always said to me, Mama Cat said really early on, throw your bucket down where you are, help wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And not from I'm a hero, but I'm a participant, not from mm-hmm. I know the solutions, but I'm here and I'm a part of this. Mm-hmm. I think that um, we, we underestimate the potency of that. Absolutely. I've always felt like that for me, the gratitude that came immediately for being on my path and doing my work, it made me want to engage and give back immediately. Like, and I mean, from the inside out, not my mind. I mean, in my core, I had such gratitude, even in early recovery. And my path is not traditional recovery. I mean, the model that I've developed through Shakti Rising is the nine gates of awakening. And it's, it's really the discipline of doing deep mystical work. And it's a more feminine um, model. Or, model. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely about uh, a, a, the, the, the gates have, again, a life themselves. And so our initiation into each of them goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's a very strong practice for powerful soul recovery work. But my experience is just as you do that, as you come into the great paradox of I have agency and will and I'm surrendered to something larger, however I know that. Um, and for me, that was the ocean and nature for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a rhythm there. There was, a, there was an intelligence that just struck mm-hmm. awe and wonder into me. And so I wonder, you know, like Ayla, I, I would say back to you, I have the same inquiry because I sometimes am at a loss when I witness 
two sides of this. And one of them is there's nothing to be done or I, I have to be ready before I can do anything. And the other side is kicking over into, oh my God, I have to start my own fill in the blank and it must be giant. And I'm going to get on Oprah and I'm going to be famous. All of which might happen, but where is the in-between, which is like, we collectively steward the town common. We collectively make sure our river is mm-hmm. clean. You, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, when did that not become enough? Yeah. The words as you're speaking to me, you were speaking of hubris and you were speak and, and the word that has been one of the words of my year has been humility and they come from a, sort of a similar root word. Right. And, uh, the humility of being on the earth of being with people and allowing what we're called into however small to be the work that we do and to allow that to grow us. Um, it just feels so countercultural, and I think I'm in a place of leaving California right now, and I know you've left, um, but I came from a place that was much more rooted in a collective, you know, and, and a collective understanding, and I'm just, I'm just starting to appreciate that now and appreciate the beautiful community that was created through a collective vision, and so in my own life, I'm getting a chance to kind of harmonize both that we both, exactly what you're talking about, we do have a soul, individual soul purpose, destiny that is our own. We are snowflakes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I think in general, like as we, as we look at our country and survey what, we, what we've really created here, the balance is really, really tilted towards um, the individual. And it's, it's at a breaking point where we are almost beyond our ability to recover, you know, the environment and and the rifts that we're creating socially between rich and poor and um, not to paint the picture of disaster, but it's time. It's time to shift back. Do you have any other thoughts about that? Or <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you have any thoughts about the imminent status of chaos? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have a million feelings and thoughts and, you know, I'm, I've said to many of my friends, I'm so grateful for my practices that help me um, to stay in my heart and awake when I encounter how overwhelming and sometimes paralyzing it is. I mean, I got into the field of work, of activism and you know, trauma healing and, you know, recovery and individual and community and leadership development 30 years ago. And by all accounts, many things are worse, actually, even domestic violence um, statistics. I looked at them a few years ago and I just went, oh my God, you know, and, and how do I hold that I've given my life in service and devotion and commitment, this kind of ministry. Yeah. And that the quote unquote facts or stats are worse. How do I, how can I hold that? You know, and really, how do I hold it when my nieces and nephews and uh, the kids of uh, women I've helped or cultivated or mentored along the way say to me, you know, Aunt Shan, what did you do? How could this happen? How could we be in this situation? Mm-hmm. I feel, you know, one of the things that I feel like is to stay awake in it and to be able to see it for what it is, like, really to see it for what it is and to talk about and be with times of difficulty. Um, But also to remember that we can create from a sense of what can be as well. And there's a difference between 
that reverence for life and creating for a sense of possibility versus pie in the sky. I'm yeah. going to, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to yeah. deny this and we're just going to, technology is going to solve everything or meditation is going to solve everything. Or, you know, these, mm-hmm. some of these statements that can be made from any, any camp, any walk, any whatever. Um, and I think, you know, so for me, I just, what I hold is, we can grow from pain and we can grow from joy or we can grow from any combination of both. I, for one, really believe in our capacity and I've been incredibly blessed to do work uh, with alongside and serving communities that were totally written off. And, mm-hmm. I've, and, and what I've seen is those folk were magic makers and shamans mm. and community healers and cultural disruptors. And I'm really grateful that I was there to say, I actually think there's a different, I think there's a different outcome here. And, you know, those folks are out in the world, all over the world now doing pretty phenomenal things. And so, you know, I guess, I guess it, it I guess it wouldn't take urgency. I guess I wish that the practice and pursuit of courage was normative. I wish that we would celebrate the ordinary miracles in our lives and not be so obsessed about famous people or famous miracles. No. Um, And I wish that people would understand that what they have to give and generate and the vision that tops them is profound and more than they would know. And sometimes we don't get to know the results of our work. And that doesn't mean that it is less important or that it didn't matter. Mm. Yeah. You are such a breath of fresh air, Shannon. I really, I really feel what you're bringing. And um, my prayer for this conversation is that it will touch and touch as many lives as possible. Cause this is really, really lived true deep experience that you're offering and you're sharing so i just i really want to pause and honor the pieces that you're sharing and helping to connect the dots on so many of these things in my own life i I feel feel, go ahead you go i was just gonna there was one thing i just want to say it's a really beautiful i i'm so appreciative that you're um, that you asked me to be here and that we have this kind of conversation and deep trust because you well know that I don't talk about a lot of this stuff um, publicly and openly, not because I hold anything back, but simply because sometimes people can really attach a cult of personality, right, to, mm. to the work. And um, and frankly, I'm so busy doing it, <laughs> you know, that it's just that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm a pragmatist in that way is as as much as I walk in the mystery in different worlds, but it's really incredible for me to be in this conversation with you, Ayla, because I have such tremendous respect, um, admiration, inspiration uh, for the path that I witness you walk, for how you really are listening and are willing to wrestle with your own soul, your healing, your ministry, how you're serving and uh, the commitment. I mean, just the, the, how I watch your deep, powerful commitment to to a kind of love that we're asked to bring. You know, mm. a a fierce love, a love that embodies truth, and that is asking us to be our best selves, and yet 
you know, has humor and compassion and joy. And um, so I, I feel really to be a woman where I'm at and my journey and of my age and experience to be in a conversation with you, who I see as one of the women coming up after me, I just have such great, well, right now it's relief. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, know, hope and joy. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I really connected of course with the origin story of Shakti because I'm, I'm on a grand um, spirit-led adventure at the moment of things that I don't feel comfortable doing, really, quite frankly. And (laughs) I'm being asked to do them. And it's a whole other level. And in a way, it's like getting me, I'm 100% outside of my ego, like, okay, we're calling this a church. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I think there's, that's the power in it. It's, it's, it feels bigger than me and I've never really committed to something this much bigger than me and beyond my ability to, um, to see where it's going and to, to even have a vision for it other than I'm committing to be in service and, um, and trusting the unfolding of that. And you have been a massive inspiration for me and taking this leap and, and, and holding what you hold so is there anything that you, you know, I think it's, it's cool to get this recorded, but you've shared so much with me already, but is there anything that you would offer as some words of wisdom as that, as an elder that you are for me or for people who are starting on these, um, these callings, um, that are very spirit led and are really what our world needs, or I don't even want to say it like that, but, um, what would you say? Well, one, if you had called me an elder and we were together, I would have spit my water in your face, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> helping, helping initiate me into, the, into this mm. phase of my life. Um, mm. Gosh, there's so many things that I would say. I mean, one is definitely to be on your own journey of soul recovery. We all need it. I mean, there's so many incredible wise teachers, storytellers, mythologists, transpersonal folk um, who just speak about the loss of soul in our culture and, and how soul really connects us to, to that larger ecosystem. So whatever that, whatever that work is to make sure that you do that, um, to have a very deep relationship with where you are and Mm -hmm. that, you know, that ought include the ecology of where you are and to practice the humility of, um, finding yourself in a long story in a larger arc. So, you know, honoring, yes, that this is, this is you and it's your first time or your experience and you have amazing perspective to bring forward, but pause for a moment and consider that you are perhaps not the first also Mm. like to be able to hold both of these things. I think the other thing that's really true is to recognize that you're apprenticing, apprenticing yourself to the vision And so it chose you for the skills and abilities and talents you have, but it, it's your boss. It needs to teach you. It will show you how to be in alignment with it, how to serve it, how, when, what actions um, feel like they are part of it and what aren't, and that that's really your job 
it's not your job to tell other people per se how to do it or when to do it. And, and in a lot of cases, you're not going to understand what the point is of the vision. Like the minute you find yourself saying, well, when I do my fill in the blank, it's going to do this for the world. You've gotten really ahead of yourself. Mm. Because if you're really living into it, it's living through you. So, um, you know, we need healthy ego to be able to move around the world and to take feedback and to grow and to interface, but be conscious about working with power and surround yourself with allies and don't, and, and don't be afraid of your power, like own your power and do your work about the weird things you have about power. Like we have to own privilege and bias and, and do the work about that, but do that with people who are honorable and respectful, compassionate and joyful be really clear about whose feedback you take in and what you don't because the haters really will poison the well. Mm. And it takes so much work to stay in devotion and to serve mm. that we really, it's like, and sometimes because we're very committed to serving in community, we take in a lot of feedback and I can recognize for myself, especially because I made a commitment to really show and role model and be open to people um, clearing up unfinished business because I recognize that's a skill we really don't have in our culture, hard conversations and, mm-hmm. and unfinished business and true amends in the sense that as reparation occurs, there's, it's actually part of like evolution and transformation in, in both people or all parties or in a community. It's not just some wrong has occurred and there's an exchange that says, okay, now we're even. Like that's really very... I'm, I'm not going to get into oppressed and oppressor or whatever, but there's something mm. far more profound available, which is why there's teaching about forgiveness and this stuff. But the reason that I'm sharing this is that it takes a lot of that. This comes back to the agency. There has to be amnesty that we issue to each other and deep personal work that we do and a willingness to hold a very sacred space inside of ourselves and inside of each other that is both humble and honoring, that is curious and very honest, that has compassion and rigor so to to find ourselves with with that and i and i think also to trust your own rhythms of when you're called into the wilderness or into the mystery or into the mystic and when you're in the world mm-hmm. that dance is essential mm-hmm. to bring through when we talk about quote unquote different paradigms i think about it like consciousness or the energetics of soul or the way the vision feels or you could say energetic architecture whatever language is is like really resonates but for me the vision has a distinct real consciousness energy that like you said is beyond me it's not mm-hmm. familiar to me it's something that calls me out to be mm-hmm. the thing well, I need to be able to really, really sense that and be a conduit for that. And that requires me often and to know when to be able to identify when like the muggle energetic is happening or the mundane mm-hmm. and not to judge it, to understand I'm doing it out of great caring, but to shake it off because that's, mm-hmm. you know, in one of my favorite, favorite books of all time by Piven and Cloward, it's about poor people's movements. They talk about how these four major movements collapsed. And one of the things that they talk about is the bureaucracy that comes in at the time that movements need to really organize. And, and this is me saying something that's like, I'm oversimplifying, okay, an incredible mm-hmm. sociological study. But the reason that this is important to pay attention to is because we have to really track where we're organizing from and why we're organizing. And when we organize to control or eliminate uncertainty, 
that right there is something we're really going to want to check out. Ooh, that's a good one. How do we organize without what, what is the organizing principle that is beyond control? I feel like, (laughs) I think that this, this conversation right here is, is, is exactly the conversation that leaders and ministers and community builders and businesses, this is the million dollar conversation. Mm, Connection. I mean, these are the words that are coming to my mind because I've been asking this exact question on how we be on the land and not controlling it. And that's, it's all, it's all the same question, moving out of control. Mm-hmm. And, and to surrender and to trust and to connection and to re- authentic relationship with vision. That, that's, that's the, these, are, these are the start of the answers to that question. Or just the willingness to live into it, right? Like just, mm-hmm. I think about like our culture loves that quote by John Lennon, uh, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Mm-hmm. We love that quote. We love all these quotes, right? That talk about this, but boy, do we love our planners. We love, yes. oh my God, is the planner industry like a bazillion dollar industry? You can do your journaling and, and keep track of all your, you know, everything in your calendar. Why is this, you know, why is this a um, pivot point for us? Why, why do we need to be told to eat and live alongside the seasons? Why is that so hugely, like that, that commodity so popular and yet, you know, people are still really struggling with what their rhythms are. And we talk about being overexhausted or, you know, not being super healthy or, you know, this. Still, I was just going to say still having a nine to five mentality about work. Mm-hmm. Which for some people might be their perfect rhythms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but how much are we willing to challenge and to take on about what it is to live in alignment with larger cycles with our own cycles with community and not default to feeling like we have to control something in order to um, sustain the, the places where those things rub on each other sometimes. Yes. Thank you for being such a dynamic, I, I, dynamic person to interview. Um, <laughs> it's that a really so, loving, it's a very um, tactful way of saying, thanks for totally going off the path into the field, <laughs> getting, going right up into that mystical forest that every folk mm-hmm. has. <laughs> Absolutely. We're living in the, in the mystery forest. <laughs> yes, we um, are. I know that you have actually some ways that people can connect with you and hear from you and be part of the wisdom community of Shakti Rising. And so I want to create those pathways if people want to learn more um, about the nine gates of awakening, for instance. Um, How can they connect with Shakti Rising and the movement, the social change movement of the feminine? Well, I mean, it's happening all over, right? Like that's the first thing that I want to say is that Shakti raising is part of, it's, it's, it's an expression that many of us were touched by this vision. And so I really want to take a moment and just honor all the folk who have been doing this, all the women who've come before, all the folk who are also doing this really in a substantive way. Um, 
So they could email Terry at ShaktiRising.org. That's T-E-R-I at ShaktiRising.org. And we have, as you know, classes and circles and workshops. And we just actually launched a free class for our 20th birthday called Sovereign Remedies. And we created it because we really recognize that, um, one, people need easy ways to be reminded how to connect in with themselves and the tools they have and and really to source into that, you know, those sovereign remedies about their soul and their wild and their health and and that we need easy ways to feel supported in our resilience, especially as things yeah. are really intense for so many people yeah. right now. So reminders about, you know, physical resilience and nervous system and resilient life. So we really wanted to do something super easy and you know, just as a gift, like, like we've been doing this for a long time. We recognize, you know, whether you're leading movements, leading your family, you know, soul searching for yourself. I think you've got the link if you wanted to share it, or if people wanted to learn about our courses, they can email Eden, E-D-E-N at ShaktiRising.org. And they can find me through any of those pathways. And I guess the other thing I would say is that we do, you know, now a lot of our work is focused on um, supporting leaders around the world. And so Chelsea um, does leadership immersion programs on that include some um, work on land, her family stewards, a beautiful sanctuary that is really about nature-based uh, rites of passage. So we do our leadership development and coaching in some combination of work on that land. And then she does coaching with folks. So you can reach Chelsea at Chelsea rising. No, Chelsea at Shockey rising. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea is rising. She, yes. Yeah. I just, I touched her field and I was just like, she's mm-hmm. rising. Chelsea's rising. Yeah. She um, is a powerful human being. It's yes, really she embodies devotional leadership. I mean, she's been doing that herself since she was 17 or 18 years old. So I wanted to follow up with a quick reminder that we can go to ShaktiRising.org to contribute financially. It would be an an awesome show of support and love and gratitude for Shannon on this 20th anniversary of Shakti Rising's existence, changing the lives of women, helping uh, women recover from substance abuse, trauma, all kinds of things, really cracking in and creating a new paradigm on our planet. Uh, So now is a great time and a great space for you to donate uh, to ShaktiRising.org. I know that it is all appreciated and I would love to just love Shannon up on this anniversary and show her our gratitude. This organization has been profound uh, and profoundly influenced me and affected me. And I hope that this conversation is a good introduction for you and also that you feel the love and, and possibly feel called to support and inspired to support it. Okay, thanks for considering it. Lots of love. I think we're all learning how to be organizations of heart and authentic connection and also be online. And I see you all really maintaining such integrity with how you connect with people um, in person through your work and then having supplemental stuff online. And I love that model. So I just want to presence how beautifully you're doing that too. Thank you. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we really try. I mean, you know, we're, I just said this yesterday, we're a little scrappy nonprofit that somehow has managed to get work to Kenya and Europe and Hawaii and all over. And really the goal is, right, the dance between the organic, like fostering people to do this in their lives and their communities, take it, riff on it, grow it. And the work that we do that we steward, because, you know, I have people calling 
asking me all the time from, you know, who've been, been around 20 years ago when we started and saying, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing of that depth. There's nothing where I travel that, um, you know, the multidimensionality that Shakti is, you know, that mm-hmm. it holds paradox, it holds a lot of different parts. And, and I'm not saying that there isn't really wonderful other stuff out there. There really is, but I just hear this a lot and I recognize it probably because of the, you know, our commitment to doing work in person our, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to support online, but really it's about our, our, our real commitment to the people in our web. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ShaktiRising.org is your website as well. And all this is in the show notes as well. People can find on the podcast platforms. Thank you so much for being with me today, Shannon. I'm really grateful. I am incredibly grateful. And I hope that um, there's something of value in this for someone somewhere. (laughs) It was a definite joy to speak to you. Absolutely. I think we created a lot of joy here and um, I'm excited to share this. I know that it will serve lots of love to you. Oh, so much love to you as well. And to everybody really listening, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Truthfully. Yeah.